Fucking hell, it's, I think he's been waiting to come in. I haven't been chatting. Um, do you stitch me up there? I've been trying to get in since 5 2 due to my rusted helmet. I'll tell you what, Blaze, Joe Martin, so hard on these Zooms. Shambles, shambles, Blaze. <laughs> right, we'll start. <laughs> Welcome to another The Housecast podcast from Law House Cricket Club. We've got a special guest on this evening. I know I say it every episode, but, but this lad is, uh, is certainly the, the, the top legend from Law House Cricket Club. A fantastic character, fantastic man, does so much for the club. Can't wait to get chatting with him. With me tonight, we've got uh, Gary Morehouse, we've got Joe Martin and Joe Beneducci. So we'll just have a quick uh, run through of how we're all going. I'm Jezzo, former Lawrence cricketer. I've done nothing different since the last time we, we chatted other than went to Lytham St Anne's today, which was a lovely little walk on the beach. Gary, anything different from the last time we chatted? Not really, Jez. That was about like an hour ago, weren't it? So it seems we've done that many podcasts. <laughs> don't give it away, don't give it away. <laughs> Yeah, no, nothing uh, nothing that's going to excite our listeners, I don't think, my friend. Okay, Joe Martin. I have a question for Gary. Did you manage to it. sort out your food shop? Um, no, no. Did you not? It, uh, oh, no, no we're, we're up next queue. Next queue. We've got one coming um, on Wednesday, Joe, so I'll let you know. No, thanks. Good. I hope it's complete. So do I. That's so kind of you, Joe, to ask. Uh, Gary didn't get his food delivered the other day. Yeah, I think he got a lot of cleaning products, but no uh, no food. Anyway, over to you, Joe Martin. Anything different? And don't bore us with I've been for a run, we've played family games, and I've played my guitar. Um, no. Um, so the, the lockdown has eased slightly. However, I'm operating three weeks behind the government. Um, so I'm still in the original lockdown. <laughs> Just because, uh, to be you know, to be safe. To be safe for you or for other people? Well, I think it's for both. So right. then I don't get it, but then I've got to assume that I've got it so then I don't give it to other people. Right, it used to be a bit like Larry Cat's Whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, do, anything, uh, anything different from you? Yesterday? Yeah, I've been chatting to your, uh, I've been chatting to your nephew. All right. Scott. Yeah, he's listened to the Ryan podcast. He's got a few memories about playing with Ryan, although I think his, his mind must have uh, got a bit skewed because he says he can remember fielding in the covers to Ryan. I don't ever remember Scott Oak fielding in covers. Third man Fielding under covers. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny how time distorts people's memories. Yeah, or maybe gin. So, yeah, <laughs> thanks very much uh, for your input and coming back on chats. Uh, again, you know, we're ploughing through these. We're getting them out once a week, we've decided. So we've got a few that are, uh, are backing up now that will get out there. We've had some great feedback around the Ryan and the Paul Stanley and the Macca ones. 
you know, and, and I know Gary and Joe and Joe have had personal text messages and around how much people, spectators are, are appreciating these, you know, in these difficult times. So we'll tr try to keep them going out. If everyone can keep listening and subscribe when you can and support our three sponsors, Johnny Russell at Milltown Pies and obviously Art Caterers, SPE Furnishings and Alexander Grace Law Firm, uh, solicitors in Burnley. So let's support them as well. And thanks very much for your feedback. Anyway, here we go on to tonight's guest. This lad made his debut, I think it was two years after I made mine and I'm probably, you know, late side of 80s now. He's played 37 seasons in the Lancashire League. I mean, I've only just found that out from the research I've just done. I'm sure you're all guessing who it is now. He's the <laughs> highest scorer of all time for Lower House Cricket Club and, and keeps piling those runs on. He's scored over 16,500 runs. Had a few 28 wickets, Blaise. You know, you used to get those wickets. It's Chris Blaise. How are you doing, Chris? Very well, Jeremy. Yourself? Keeping well? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. It's um, Lisa's in lockdown. Got little dog to run around. Garden's immaculate. But yeah, we're doing well. What about yourself? How's, you know, are you having to go back into school yet? Not entirely yet, no. Uh, right. My, obviously, teaching sixth form classes, they're all doing exams. So... There isn't any new work to teach them. So at the moment, they're uh, we, we're entering exam codes for yeah. them, estimate, and uh, we probably won't be back. I don't think till September. Right. Okay. It must be difficult times for you, and you know we all know how dedicated you are, and for the students. So are the students finding it comfortable, or as comfortable as it can be in these times? I think the the students that I teach are having a having a whale of a time really they're uh, most of them are working all right in probably not delivering gary's groceries uh yeah. there's, there's a lot there's a lot of a lot of them working for tesco's and sainsbury's and, and so so on and so forth so yeah getting quite a bit of brass yeah good i mean that, it's good that they're keeping you know keeping the, their morale up it's so difficult you know whether it's teachers delivery drivers or obviously nhs and the other you know, the services that are helping us out. So, good work, Chris, to keep it going. Um, Chris, thanks so much for coming on to this podcast. I'll just, we've mentioned to previous guests, you know, it's all about what you've done and what we want to know a few stories about you. Not all serious stuff, some funny stuff. You know, you, your dad passed away quite recently. Um, we, you know, we all love and, and have fond memories of David, how he, you know, how he was at the club. Ben, your nephew, first team captain, doing a great job, a fantastic job there. But I think, you know, initially, from my uh, my scheme of this, is to just go back how me and you first started, you know, in the early 80s and late 70s playing junior cricket. What are your memories around that down at the Lower House? I, re I remember, obviously, my dad played for Worley in the Ribblesdale League, so I spent sort of my first sort of 10 years following him round every every summer, really, from Ribblesdale League grounds and sort of like getting into cricket that way, being a nuisance around the dressing rooms, playing at half-time with my dad, you know, swinging on gates, climbing over fences, you know, getting into trouble, getting a few clips around the ear, trying to nick a few pints from underneath people's tables when I was, you know, 11 or so. But my dad, 
my dad was from Worley originally, but obviously had moved to Burnley and lived in Burnley. So when it came to my junior cricket, he obviously wanted me to play for Worley, but it was just too far to get to to Worley of an evening. So uh, it was a case of where 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 should we go? And obviously we'd been down to watch a few Lawrence games in the late seventies and. You know, it seemed like a really nice place. You know, my dad knew a few folk who, who were playing there, knew a few folk who were on the committee. When I was about 11, it was sort of like, right, time to time to make a decision where you're going to play. And it was Law House that I chose for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of them was your, your younger brother, who was the year above me at school, really. And had played, you know, Lancashire under-13s when he was, you know, 12 or so. And... I played a bit of cricket with Nicky at school and things, so that was one of the reasons I came down. And junior section then was very, very much uh, a slimmer outfit than it is now. We had under-13s and under-15s and that was it. So when I was 11, I started playing for the under-13s with Dave Nicholas as uh, team manager and umpire. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting, Chris, because I mean, we've known each other so long. You know, you were looking at, we, we talked previously on this podcast, Bill Holt and, and Reg Wardle would have been running the junior section then. Was there any other, you know, who were the friends that your dad would have known down there? I'm just thinking, why not go and play at Burnley? Uh, I don't know, maybe the decision happened when I, when I was at, you know, when I was at school, really, you know, and not a lot of the, a lot of, Lads who went to Ted's actually played at Burnley then. Yeah. You know, it sort of changed after that. Most of, most of the lads were playing. Well, we didn't play a lot of cricket at Ted's, did we, anyway? You know, a lot of the people like Gary still at the grammar school. So, you know, Shez and Gary and uh, a lot of the lads who I came to know from Lawrence were, were at the grammar school. Yeah. So, you know, they, they were playing down at, Burn, uh, at Lawrence. You know, Burnley were a fantastic side then, weren't they? And, yeah. you know, sort of like, I don't think they were particularly renowned for the juniors at that stage. They, they didn't have, you know, they had a solid, you know, first team, good young players playing the second team. Some of them came to Law House with, you know, John Hartley and Graham Bushell eventually to get first team cricket, didn't they? So, yeah, they did, yeah. Right. Interesting times there, Chris, that... Um... You know, but for, you know, the slightest little thing, you could have been, you know, playing elsewhere, you know, continue to play at Worley or whatever. That, that, that's really interesting for me. I mean, obviously, you know, Worley wasn't... My dad, you know, sort of like relied on his on his his van, really, you know, his TV repair van to get us to the places. And sometimes that didn't come off and didn't, he, didn't, uh, he didn't have a car. So that was never going to happen, really. Yeah. So, uh, Warhouse was definitely within walking distance. So... Yeah. Oh, that, that's where that's where it sort of like came down to it, I suppose. And at that time, were you you were you know you you know you, you, your mum and your dad? You were up around the Tim Bobbin area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, so that's lane, yeah. You could you could walk down there, and then your dad gets involved, and it you know, it's such a great story that you know your dad ended up yeah. playing a, bit, a little bit of first team cricket and a lot of second yeah. cricket. Yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic story. Your dad, I remember your dad's. Uh, Television repair van. Crack, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, I remember that really quite well. Les, I've got your um, school scorebook in front of me. Yes, all right. From 1981, when yeah. your school team got to the 
uh, Ranger Cup final. Yeah. And I'm just looking through. I think you scored a 50 in all the games before before it. <laughs> or oh, took five wickets. <laughs> have you managed to get hold of that, Joe? I've got no idea. I was rummaging through things the other day. We were reordering the books in the house. And I managed to find, <laughs> I managed to find this. Um, we must have 3,000 books in the house. So we're... Or ordering them, right. Okay. Ordering them, yeah. Not, order. Yeah, yeah, okay. not, yeah, I haven't lost them and thought I needed to buy them again. Right. Um, <laughs> and Frank's in it as well, Blaise. Frank's definitely in it, yeah. 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 What, was, what was Frank like at... Uh, <laughs> At that age, very tiny. He was he was a tiny tiny kid. Was Frank? He didn't actually start sort of growing until he was perhaps fourteen and fifteen to the the limited height that he is now. But he 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 was very very small. He uh, at school he used to be a bit of a bit of a scamp, did Frank? And you know, sort of like <laughs> used to tease tease the bigger lads. You know, sort of like the rugby lads. He played a bit of rugby, did Frank? At, scrum off and he used to sort of like go around sort of like provoking the bigger lads to try and chase him and Frank had then just run off and hide somewhere and sort of duck under things while they were like running into him but he did get a fair few beatings <coughs> which may <laughs> which may give, give rise to some of the issues that he's had later in life <laughs> and, and when he grew a little bit pleasant couldn't run off yeah exactly yeah <laughs> Trying to run over fences or under them and getting caught, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, I don't know if I've moved on too quickly there, Jess. So that's 1981. Um, but so, what was it like playing at Old Trafford at that stage, Bless? If, if the word surreal was invented in 1981, which I'm not sure it was, that's what it was. You know, we, we played. You, the, the Harold Bailey competition, you normally ended up playing like a local school in the first round. And if you had half-decent cricketers, you ended up playing the grammar school and you get tated. I think we, I can't remember who we played in the first round. It might have been the grammar school, but we managed to we managed to win. Then we played Clitheroe Grammar, so that was like another step up. So so you like going out of the, out of the sort of locality and we yeah. managed to beat them. Uh and I don't think anybody knew we'd ever been that far. We'd never even got, you know, past the second round in times gone by at, at Ted's. And then we played another two teams. One, I can't... Who did we play the third round, Joe? So it was uh, Sir Thomas Moore. Right. Sir Thomas Moore, Roman Catholic High School, I presume. Uh, yeah. And then St Mary's College Crosby. Yeah, we, we played those in the semi-final at St Andrews. You know, semi-final yep. of the Lancashire, Lancashire competition where all these, and we played them at <laughs> St Andrews where you had to get changed in a shed. Yeah. Uh, we were all playing in, you know, like I think Joe mentioned in one of the earlier podcasts, playing for school in your in your school trousers and a white shirt and, and cricket boots if you had them or trainers for most of us. We still played the semi-final in school trousers, white shirts and, and cricket boots. Yeah. So this team come over from Crosby, you know, fully kitted up, changing a hovel, and got beat at St Andrews. I, I probably I had I had White Tommy Farry played in that that side who played at played at Todmorden for five or six years, played first team cricket at Todmorden. And other than that, we had nobody who was a cricketer. <laughs> Absolutely nobody, no pedigree other than playing in schoolyard. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, Frank Frank made all of his, made most of his cricket playing at school abroad, although he did come down to Lower House about that time. And yes. we got we got to the final and we played the final at Old Trafford, the sort of like three weeks before Botham's 110 at, at Old Trafford in the 1981 Ashes. So we're at Old Trafford, we're at Old Trafford, you know, 11 of us managed to get big, borrow and stolen whites from somewhere, ringing bell at Old Trafford, <laughs> walking out to bat, walking out to bat where Ian Botham gets 100 three weeks later. Absolutely unbelievable. Never seen anything like it. No, that's fantastic, Chris. That is, that is. Uh, who was the teacher then that took? You know, you always had a teacher that. that looked yeah, it was. It was. It was Dave Preedy, really, and uh, Mr. Duxbury. Oh, Bill Duxbury. Duxbury, couldn't remember his first name. Yeah, yeah. And I think Bob Johnson did the scorebook, didn't he, Joe? Because if you recognise the writing, it's Bob Johnson's writing. Uh, yeah, it's um, so all the team names and stuff have been written in like calligraphy fountain pen. Um, I don't know if you can see. <laughs> oh, look at that. I mean, in the build-up to the final, I mean, I, I don't want to ruin your story, Blood, but you didn't win the final, unfortunately. Um, well, we, we won by getting there, Joe. Yeah, yeah. exactly, Blood. I know, I'm, I know. Scenes of law house to come for 30 no, years. So that's interesting. You've got the scorebook from when Bles played. There's, there's a number of scorebooks missing from Low House Cricket Club. I just wonder if you know if you've got a bit of a confession or there's something you want. Stan is searching high and low for it. Well, I really love scorebooks, and I was on the phone to Stan this week, and he'd listened to some of the other podcasts, in particular the 2005 one, to which he said, "Oh, so that's where the scorebook is." I knew he had it. <laughs> but what about you? Don't deflect it. What about you? Where, where's all the scorebooks have you got? I don't know. We're only about halfway through the reorganisation. So I've got I've got the three I've got the three scorebooks from nineteen ninety, Jed. Alright, okay. Alright, that's a good comment. Why do we need three blessed? You know why there were three scorebooks, don't you, Jez? Yeah, I remember why. Because Norman Dale got run out of town. No, oh, it wasn't that Dale. Dale. It was when it was when Trip was captain. Alright, oh, yeah. We never had the scorebook there because he never turned up until five minutes before it started again. <laughs> so we, had, we always had an emergency scorebook to give the scorer to start getting across to where he needed to go to. You, you must have tossed up about 20 times that's, that year. <laughs> that is a fantastic story that had completely <laughs> passed me by. I was, I mean, I don't know, I would cut this in. But I was vice captain that year for trip with Delroy Morgan, and that happened, didn't it? We'd have yeah. we had to borrow a scorebook from Rottenstall's fourth team out of the cupboards because trip weren't there. <laughs> they had to toss up and do whatever we did, and we used their scorebook. Yeah, and then we had to get another one, and so we carried a spare one with us all the time. So there, I think we've uh, you know any listeners out there who might have the odd scorebook, if they can start handing them back into Stan, he's not sleeping very well at the moment. Now we know where the 1991 is. So we'll move on from your early years, Chris, and you know it's a fantastic achievement playing at Old Trafford with a with a team like that. And Ted's would have been so proud. You do well in the junior cricket. You play third eleven, second eleven. You know, quickly you you're obviously getting some some runs, and you're a quality player. And then I think, would you have been 
16 when you made your debut? 16, yeah. Yeah, yeah 16 at, at Todd, I think, was it? Home against Todd. At home against Todd. What What was yeah. your memories around, you know, the end of the 82 season when you were doing well and, and getting into the first team? Did you expect to get in? You know, what went on there? We'd had the, the really good year, the 19, was it the 1980 year when they got to the Where's the Cup final? And or the Martini Trophy final. Then yeah. in 1981, we came close to winning the league, wasn't it? At Rotten Soul, where if we'd have been Rotten Soul, we'd have won the league. Was that 81? 79 and then 80. One way or the other. Anyway, yeah. I can remember it. You know, from Lawrence not being a particularly good side and hearing that side of it, actually, those two years, we had a really good side with. John Hartley and Graham Bushell and Pankaj Phil, good pros, Iggy. We had a decent side. I didn't really expect to get into the first team around that time. But you knew you, knew you were the, one of the next names on, on the sort of sheet if, if things changed a little bit. And I yeah. think after the 81 season, I think John Hartley went pro in. I think Bush might have gone pro in. There were a couple of spots available when Lofty's taxi drivers sort of let him down, really. So, <laughs> you know, I couldn't drive at that stage. Some people like yourselves will probably say, I can't drive now. <laughs> so, that, that was a route into the first team at that stage, wasn't it, wasn't it really? It was, yeah, it was, yeah. If you live near Lofty and you could drive, you had a you had a half-decent chance of getting inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, Chris. Yeah, we do. You know, I remember those, you know, because I was, what, what am I? I'm probably, I'm probably four years older than you. Um, and then John Olmerod. You know, I, I, we used to come, you know, compete for two, three slots between me, John Olmerod, Dave Keeley, Tom Sullivan, Rusty, you know, Brian Holmes, these sort of players. And like you said, there were some great players in there. Um, and when they came into the second, whenever they came into the second team, they always... They always scored runs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, for what Keely, Keely and Holmesy, when they came into the second team, they very rarely didn't score 60s, 70s, 80s and get get right back into the to the team, depending on who'd gone from number one to number eleven the week before. Yeah. Yeah, no, that happened. So what were the circumstances about you getting in this side? Was it a holiday period and you got your chance? Yeah, it you... probably was. I'd I'd been on I'd been on the grammar school cricket tour uh, as a as a guest the sort of week before, and I got quite a lot of runs, you know, down there. And w when I got back, there must have been a, somebody on holiday, and there was a spot available, and I was I was I was picked for the for the first team. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, was there anything about that game? You know, were you nervous? How did how did it go for you? I wasn't particularly nervous. As a young lad going into that side, you know, you know you had a a bit of confidence about you as a sportsman, so you weren't like gonna be overawed by it. I had a bit of confidence in, in my fielding, you know, I knew I was a fielder, probably better than Stan and you know, quite a few others in there. So you you know you weren't gonna let them down there. As far as the batting was concerned, you you were always gonna test Test yourself against a decent, a decent pro. They had uh, Rod Eswick as their pro. Right, yeah. Was who was sharp, so you knew that was going to be a bit of a bit of a test. But I think I batted maybe seven or eight and got 
seven or eight again, you know, maybe nine. Um, yeah. Really enjoyed, really enjoyed batting the limited amount. I caught a catch. I ran probably their batter who was sort of looking like winning the game out from a half decent throw. So I, had, I thought I had a really good game and we won. So it was, you know, it was a great, great debut really. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And I think, you know, I, I don't think you were in, in and out of the side much after that debut. Oh, well, I only played five games that, that season. Yeah, what date was that? Was that early, early start of the season? Oh, no, it was July, uh, mid-July for, you know, Burnley holidays, really. So you got left uh, out of that season? Yeah, so I didn't play at all in the first team till then. And then I only played another four games after that. Right. It was sort of like... I, I, I sort of vaguely remember getting dropped <laughs> the next game. You know, it was one of those, when, when the team was selected, wasn't it? You, you just got it on the notice board in the yeah. club, didn't you? Yeah. And if it, if it threw it down and nobody opened the club, you were trying to look at, through the letterbox to see if you could see it. That was the <laughs> only way you could see whether you were in the team or not. So it must have been a bad week, so we hadn't practised. So I didn't know whether I was in the first team or the second team until perhaps half past 11 on the day of the game and Lofty arrived, knocked on my front door and said, uh, we really enjoyed you being in the first team last week, uh, Chris. Uh, great effort, great start, but I'm afraid you're not, you're not playing in the, in the first team this week away at East Lanks. You'll be down at Lower House. Okay, that's not a problem, Lofty. Thanks very much. Shut the door, went to the front window Saw Lofty getting into Dave Keeley's car and, and drive off as my replacement uh, <laughs> took him. Thanks. Yeah, uh, it, it was. You know, that is so true how that went on. And, you know, we chatted, you know, we chatted to a few other players, that, not of that era, but we were very close to that era. And, you know, we look back at the coaching we had, you know, which we really uh, we appreciate. But the actual management and the, 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 the way that the club was, was run at that stage, it does make me wonder sometimes, Chris, if other clubs were run similar. You know, how we, we, know we didn't have mobiles, we couldn't text each other. How, I wonder how other clubs got to, told they were dropped. <laughs> no, no idea, Jez, but it, 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 we could have been done it by carrier pigeon. <laughs> more reliable. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's... I mean, I think it's a bit of a funny story. It was exactly the same, looking through the letterbox, or, or you know, you'd sometimes, my dad would would get, he wasn't on the selection committee, but he was on the committee, he would then try and listen into the selection committee to see if I'd been picked. And then the <laughs> only other way that we could get it picked, and I think this was part of my downfall, was that the Burnley Express, you'd find out, you'd yeah. read the Burnley Express on a Friday morning. Yeah. Um. And there was, it's Roger Bromley's father-in-law, um, Stan Hudson, who worked at the Burnley Express. He, he's passed away a number of years now. And he used to take some free Burnley Expresses into the General Williams on a Thursday night. So I used to go into them a lot. <laughs> see whether I was, in, I was in the team or not. Because it was a real football club, weren't it, Blaise? We were in and out, like, I don't know what. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, were you well, going, in, were you going mom, in General Williams just to just to look at the paper, Jez? Yeah, well, I was only seventeen and a half, Joe. <laughs> and he was still he still had his tanker over at bar then. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's one of the best stories of Gary's dad. That one when he had to move his tanker from one pub to the next. That were a, that were a belting story. 
New Albion, top of <laughs> top of Rosnale Road. Yeah. And um, and he felt like with landlord, and uh, and I'd gone in for a drink one night with a couple of lads, and uh, I'm in the gents, and landlord comes in, big fella. You're Brian Moore. I says, lad, you're Brian Moore. I said, oh shit. <laughs> and uh, so I, you know, what's, what's he done? He said, well, first off, he owes me a fiver. <laughs> right, okay, here's a fiver. Here's a fiver. He said, second hand, he said he's took his tankard and he's gone round all local pubs um, bartering through who, where he can put his tankard over at bar. He said, and somebody <laughs> would knock him 3p a pint off, so he's put it over at bar there. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I do remember that previously, Gary, you and Chris telling me that. No, quality. So anyway, Chris, so you've, um, that's your debut. You've played, you know, half a dozen games that season. Then we move on to 84 and 85 and you start getting established. What's, what can you remember about that? Because obviously Curtis Hazard's around then and, you know. Some Again, I, don't, I may have played half a, half a season, possibly in, in 84. Still not getting regular, regular games in the first team. Yeah. Uh, and then, sort of, by the time it got to 1985, I think, again, 84 was a bit difficult. Most young kids go through it, don't they? And batting six, seven, eight every time, doing quite well, going in, getting 20s, 30s, and, but still not getting an opportunity. One, two, three, four, five. And it was getting a bit frustrating. I think John Bushell was in that same position, batting five, six, seven, eight. And... We started nattering that we could have done with getting a bit of a do because other people weren't getting any runs, batting, you know, in the decent batting spots. And towards the end of the season, we perhaps did get more of a go in the prime spots, you know, three yeah. and four and five, batting around wherever Curti wanted to bat, really. Probably did all right towards the back end of that season. And 1985 was my probably my first full season. And I started off uh, that season batting against Jack Oldsworth at, at church and got 60 in the first game. And that's when, that was probably only when I felt established. So I was eight, you know, 18 then when I played my first full season. But I can remember talking, you used to say about Jack Oldsworth, oh, he's a cammy bowler, oh, he can, you know, he does this with it, he does that with it. And, you know, and I can't remember who I was batting with, but it must have been like a senior pro, somebody like Higgy or or Stan, and they said, just watch him for picking seam on ball. Just watch him for picking seam on ball. He always picks seam on ball. Just keep an eye on it. So, oh, what's he on about picking seam on ball? No idea. So, I, you know, I got 60 against him. I ate him for a few, I ate him for a couple of fours and a six and was quite pleased with myself. And then, sort of like, from there, like, relatively established. But that season was a bit, a bit of a difficult one with Curtie because it was his third year. Things had started to go a little bit sour. It was his least productive season. Things had got a bit strained between him and Iggy and, you know, a few other lads in, in the side as well. Yeah. So it was it was a particularly enjoyable year in that in that sense. Yeah. But, you know. And then you're you know, so that you know, by this stage you're you know, you're eighteen, nineteen, you are clear you had three hundred and fifty eight runs that year, Blaze, at twenty. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is a great effort in you know, I'm not Honestly, Joe Martin, I don't want to sound like Stan, but, you know, it were tough times then, you know, yeah. you know, decent pros, the pictures probably weren't the same, and it was a bit of a transitional year, that. Because the year before, Chris, when you got, you know, you still averaged 17 then. Um, yeah. 
that's when Curtis broke the record. He got the yeah. one thousand yeah. and and sixty odd, whatever he did. Yeah. So at this stage, because I do remember then, so you would have been doing your sixth form studies, and and I remember, yeah. you know, we probably started playing a little bit of football together around that yeah. time. Not not yeah. necessarily Belvedere. Dave Worley were playing up there with, with me, and then we started playing a bit together. But you were so committed about getting your studies done properly, unlike myself and, and, and Joe Benarucci, you, um, you were determined to get them all together and, and to do what you had to do and would come back and play cricket. What year did you go to university, Chris? I did four years, so it was a four-year course. and right. uh, um, So it was 85, so after the cricket season in yeah. 85, so you go in October. Yeah. to 89 so I, again I played half seasons for those four years yeah played 12 13 games a season in 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 those games because I was down at down at Warwick near Coventry I couldn't couldn't get back couldn't travel back didn't have a car yeah uh, loved playing cricket down there really really enjoyed it good standard but couldn't get home smooth smooth my Smoothed my path at university, really. I found it tough going down there. I lad from Burnley, you know, teacher training, really, and found it hard work And until cricket sort of, like, uh, kicked in in the winter term and going to winter net, found it really hard. But, you know, the cricket smoothed it over very quickly. I got into the, the first team squad very early and, you know, loved it from there on, really. Yeah, I do remember that, Chris, because you've always been... Um... I mean, you're, you're a top sportsman and you give everything you've got, but you are a little bit of, almost, some would say, or I would say, a silent assassin. You would, you wouldn't <laughs> see a great deal from you. Things would just, just meander along, whether you're within the nets for us or whether, you know, you're playing cricket, but you were always that committed to do your best. And I remember you really enjoying that time. And you got into England University team. Yeah, the, obviously that, that era, sort of like, uh, there was still... Universities weren't quite as uh, the, the the arrangements weren't the same. You had universities, you had polytechnics, and you had colleges. Each one had their own sort of team. Yeah. Then they combined to be the the British combined universities and polytechnics, or they called it BUSEF, and they played in the uh, Benson Edges Trophy. You know, yeah. the, the first trophy, and sort of like that was the pinnacle of 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 university cricket, yeah. I was sort of like the, the rung below that. So I was playing in the the universities, English university side, which some of them played in the in in that team, but not very many. You know, you had the year below me was Hussain, Atherton, Steve James, who played a bit for England. Uh, they were all in that Busef side that played in the. Uh, Benson Edges Trophy. So I was sort of like the level below that. Played with Mike Smith, the left-arm bowler from Gloucestershire. Yeah. Yeah. He played again for England. Uh, he played in the side that I played in. Uh, Tim Barry played a few games, county games as well. You know, for I think he played. He, he was at Loughborough, but he played a few county games. So there were good, some decent cricketers played in that that side and went on to have half decent first-class careers. Yeah, you know, as I said, I remember it vividly, you know, Blaise were coming back, you're still, you know, late teens, early 20s, 
coming back and you would always get in the first team and, and, and do a job for us. But, you know, flicking through Blaise and 87-88-89, prior to that you were getting 200, 300 runs a season, averaging, you know, really quite well. But there were two two or three years there where you only played 12 or 15 games, appreciate, but, you you know, you were getting less than 150 a year. You know, would that have anything yeah. to do with the drinking at university? <laughs> no, no. My drinking really, my drinking culture came from uh, a friend of mine, really, and don't know, <laughs> don't know why I drink. I don't know why I drink bitter. Went down to university thinking that I was a pretty poor drinker, really, because every time I went out, I ended up sideways. My mate was like stone cold sober. I don't know what it was. I do remember wake. I do remember. One night down at Laura House, finishing my last beer, or being forced to finish my last beer, and sort of like really, really struggling, but doing it because my mate told me to. And I found these two false teeth, you know, in my last, my last gulp. I don't know who that was, Jez. No, that's absolutely. Perhaps you, perhaps you, might, perhaps you might know. That's absolutely. Yeah. Ridiculous. But you look at 1989, Chris, you had 160 runs, and 1990, you had 857. Yeah, I, I, can't, I, I honestly can't remember too much about those, those university years. I do, I do think if you look at the, if the years after that are anything to go by, it, it's such a confidence booster to get runs early in the season. I don't know why, but if you get two or three good scores in the first four or five games, things seems to paddle along really well. And maybe coming back in the summer, having played different types of cricket on different surfaces and, you know, I don't know. But I can't remember a great deal about those those years in terms of the the, the actual cricket. I mean, probably if you, if you name some of the pros, I'll remember the pros. I can't remember too much about about the games in that that era really no and i do think we were going through a big you know a period of change there where we were getting um the younger players were coming through you know dave wally was was playing was getting in the side you know you remember marcus g and frank yeah. game but yeah. we still got those you know and lofty fantastic player he was you know yeah. he was still playing there late 80s early 90s but i do think the um, I don't know the best way of describing them, but the, and, and I don't really want to name these people, but there's probably half a dozen players that were just along to, for a few pints maybe in, in yeah. the early 80s, late 70s, and then it went on to, cracky, this is getting a little bit more serious now, and I do think that late 80s period did change a lot around the club. You, were all, you, were also, got, you also got took under your wing by the pros a little bit. You know, yeah. I can remember coming back and people saying, what a great lad. Tony Doddermade was, yeah. you know, and how how well he, you know, he integrated with the side and what what a good bloke he was. Well, I came back halfway through the season when we probably were out of the league, we're out of the cup, we're playing for a bit of pride, even though he's a decent player. Yeah, he doesn't really know me. He doesn't know me from Adam. He doesn't know what makes me tick. He doesn't, you know, take any any time really to build up a relationship because that that time's gone. That time of getting to know people, that's that's gone. I mean Mansour, what a what a great pro in, you know, eighty eight and eighty nine. Brilliant, brilliant bloke. Didn't speak much English. I would love to have had some sort of cricketing conversation with him, but by the time I got there he he you know, he'd made his 
he'd made his friendship groups and he made his you know his friends and he didn't really get much of a look in. No, and the season does it, it it does go that quickly once you've got into you know you get into May and June and and things are settling down. You like you said, you genuinely you generally know, yeah, we're going to have a good season here and we've a chance of fighting for a top six place or this is pants this, we're struggling every week and you're not getting through it. And and if you're coming back from your university cricket, playing with different individuals on different pitch, pitches, it, it must have been difficult. And you look at the different pros from there, Delroy and then Prabarka. Um, and I'm not just saying it because Gary's on here or because I'm on here, but then I do think, and we've chatted this through till we're blue in the face, it, that period starts to progress even more with over probably a... a but, you know, a five, ten-year period where practice was better. We did take it more seriously. And, and Chris, I think it's safe to... Do you feel that you benefited through that period? I know you're coming at your tea pump in early 20s. Again, again I, I can remember practising in the early early 80s with, with Tripp and John Hartley, and they were, the, they were two best buddies, and they used to be always the first out at... At training, they'd always put the net up, and you know they were good players, and they taught taught you a lot. After after that, there wasn't training was such hard work, wasn't it? Weather dependent, you know, we, nets were indifferent. It would it was difficult to get any sort of proper coaching off anybody in terms of mindset or anything like that, and and it it was a bit of a lottery, and you you played yourself into form by what you did at the beginning of the season. And you know, nineteen ninety was one of those one of those seasons where I had a decent knock in the first innings in the first game, got thirty odd, and then I, in the second game I got I got ninety, and then you know your hundred runs into into a season, yeah. having had two games, your confidence is high, your name's gone around, so people are wary of you and thinking about things, and you've got half a chance of you know having a good season, and you did actually play yourself into form rather than train yourself into form. And yeah, yeah, it's a good point, Chris. It is, and it, you know, you look at the professionals we had around us, you know, so you were so focused and you would have that mindset of doing it, and the pros would then work around you and and the other top amateurs and, and pull the team together. I mean, Joe Martin, any observations, Joe, around? When you went to university, Bles, and playing uh, cricket university and training and netting, that's obviously a quite, it's a completely different culture to the cricket club, which yeah. I would probably argue was more social cricket and you were, and university cricket might have been slightly different. Was there anything that you, firstly, was different in terms of training at the university and at the cricket club? And, and secondly, did you take any of the different training methods or different things you did at university into back to the cricket club when you went probably negative things really is truth be told at university we had decent net facilities we had a couple of all-weather training pitches and a couple of decent you know sort of outdoor nets that were fully you know fully there all the year didn't have to take them down which was incredible something we didn't we never had till we got the net complex at at Lower House, probably you know I, I love the cricket there. We played against some good sides. We played against Leicestershire Seconds. And, you know, I did all right against them. They had Chris Lewis playing a young young Chris Lewis. Lots of county pros played in that second eleven game. We gave them a decent game. We got a few runs, not not massive, but got a few runs. So you knew you know you were you were half decent player. You know, I mean, me and Jez used to. You know, when we used to play Adlinden when they were in the pomp and, you know, Jez used to work with 
uh, Alan Massix when he was when he was uh, working at Rosendale Combining, and we, we used to play that. We used to play them, and you know we'd do all right occasionally. We'd do you know we do we do pretty well against them. We never beat them, but we do pretty well against them. And they used to come and pat you on the head and say, you know, oh, I'm looking Lawrence. You're trying hard. You two are half decent players. And and Alan would say to to me and Jez and say, "Ah, oh, he's, he's all right, isn't he? He's, he's not a bad little player, Blaise, is he? He's doing all right." And it's your round, Blaise, because go to bar <laughs> and, and uh, get me and Jez two while you're having one, okay? <laughs> and 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 they were learning from the best of the best, you know. Their their top five was, you know, what we had in two thousand and five, and they they were they were hard cricketers. They were determined creatures and they learned you know their trade probably with their next generation and they taught the rest six seven eight nine so it, it was hard hard work to learn that way but then the one thing I took from university that and I've been mentioning it a number of times that I knew being cap being captain wasn't for me I captained the 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 university team in my third year I can remember Paul Stanny saying in his podcast about Rusty making the tees. Well, I had, to, I had to make the tees when I was captain. That was your, part of your responsibility. When you played another, you had to go to the supermarket, buy all the stuff, bring it in, and then you had to make it. Yeah. So, you know, you you physically had to make it. You, you get somebody else with you to make the tee. Somebody, you know, like, and, you know, I just thought, hang on, why am I, why am I doing this? And then when you go out to field, I wouldn't bowl myself when I was bowling some people who were worse than me. When I went out to bat, I was, you know, we get kids in who played Derbyshire seconds. We get kids in who played. You think, oh, I'll give them a go, see what, see how they go on, and you end up batting six and seven. And you just, just knew that I was never going to be a captain. I just didn't have the ruthlessness or the, the ability to switch off from being captain to being player. So they were the main things I took from university really that a don't ever be captain and b don't ever put yourself up for making teas